0: Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Are you familiar with the Donut Peach? If not, we'll tell you all about it on today's edition of Fabulous Fruit Fridays, and we'll shine the spotlight on one particularly delectable variety, the Scarlet Halo Donut Peach, Fruit tree expert Ed Livo of Tomorrow's Harvest.com tells us all about it. One of the more frequently asked questions we get here is How long should I run a drip irrigation system? Our resident retired college horticultural professor, Debbie Flower, answers that question while contemplating another question from a listener about their dying Lauripetalum shrubs. Say you want to grow salad fixings in a hurry? We talk with Brad Gates from Wild Boar Farms. No, not about his tomatoes, but about a quick and easy way to grow greens he's experimenting with, even in hot summer climates. It's all on episode 98 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you by Smart Pots and Tomorrow's TomorrowsHarvest.com. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. Fabulous Fruit Fridays. We're going to be highlighting a piece of fruit that's going to be so tasty. You'll want to grow one of those trees in your backyard for the coming season. And to bring us all the good news about all these great varieties is... A guy I've known for about 25 years or so. He knows more about fruit trees than anybody I know. He has worked in the industry for years and years and years. Currently, he's with Virtual Nursery. They're the parent company of Tomorrow's Harvest. And we're going to be talking about some really great pieces of fruit, as well as sharing some of his long-held Fruit tree growing advice that is going to make it ridiculously easy for you to grow fruit trees, no matter the size of your yard. It's Ed Livo. And Ed, this uh, peach uh, that we're going to be talking about uh, sounds like a winner because it's uh, it's good for a number of uh, USDA zones. What, six through nine?
1: Yeah, 639, Fred, it's a it is a winner and it's a winner, you know, of course, because of being one of the unique donut style peaches. And uh, I mean, we should name it. Well, let's call it Scarlet Halo. How does that sound? All Right. The Scarlet Halo (laughs) Peach. (laughs) Yeah, Scarlet Halo Peach is exciting. I mean, it's a big, big peach. I mean, a big donut style peach. And and definitely the uniqueness of the uh, of this fruit is is it's beautiful red skin. It's deep, deep, dark, dark, mottled red flesh um, that sits on a white background. It's a it's an amazing look. So eye candy, if you will, just wonderful eye candy.
0: Now, if people don't know what a donut style peach, maybe they think it's covered in glaze or candy sprinkles. Uh, It's not. But uh, explain what a donut peach is. Well,
1: it's actually a flat peach you know the, and to be exact the the donut peach is being sold now it's a very popular addition to the, um, uh, to the grocery store many grocery stores now you can get the uh, flat donut style peaches typically they're white but there's yellow varieties as well and the tomorrow's harvest of course will be featuring not only the wonderful peaches that are donut style or flat uh, donut style peaches and, but they'll also be um, introducing uh, many incredibly flavored nectar I mean, outstanding flavored donut style nectarines as well. There's a whole, probably about two, maybe 10 varieties that nobody's ever known that I've went out and just um, kind of brought to the forefront. And we are going to have a ball introducing these.
0: If you can grow a peach tree where you live, you can grow the Scarlet Halo peach. If nurseries don't have it, I would imagine that uh, they can get it online.
1: Oh, yeah. Tomorrow's Harvest is uh, going to be the launching pad for many of these uh, wonderful varieties of peaches that are coming out of the virtual nursery.
0: If you want to find out more about the Scarlet Halo peach, visit their website, tomorrowsharvest.com. You can also order it from there as well. Now, I mentioned earlier the fact that besides being an innovator when it comes to fruit varieties, you are an innovator when it comes to helping people grow fruit trees in spaces people would think are impossible to grow. And I think one of the things we should talk about right off the bat, and we're going to be talking about some aspect of fruit tree growing or or berry growing uh, throughout this series on Fabulous Fruit Friday, is the fact that even though these trees can get to a rather large size eventually, like the Scarlet Halo Peach, if you just let it grow, it could get 25 feet high with a 20 foot spread. That takes up a lot of room, but they don't need to be that tall, do they?
1: No, not at all, not at all, and and like you said, I, I I've I've always kept my fruit trees short. And when I first came into the industry, I think it was less. Um, it definitely wasn't accepted at all. I mean, there was a farming practice and almost a commercial approach to growing fruit trees. And I was adamant at my young age that this really didn't apply to what the home gardener experienced and what the home gardener's challenges were in terms of limited space. And and if you've got plenty of space grow your fruit tree any any height you want to but you don't need to grow any fruit tree any taller than you stand with your hands extended above your head that you know and tall people have tall trees and short people have short trees and my trees are all as tall as i stand with my hands extended above my head and that gives you plenty of fruit more fruit than you probably can utilize anyways you've got to experience keeping it short to begin with, starting with your, you know, when you're initially planting the plant and and then, of course, using techniques to keep it small um, as you grow the tree, as the tree matures,
0: you can keep a tree at six or seven feet tall and still have enough fruit for your family, like the Scarlet Halo Peach, for example. Ed Liva, we're going to learn a lot on Fabulous Fruit Fridays. I, I'm looking forward to this.
1: I am too Fred. This is uh, this is unique.
0: It's Fabulous Fruit Fridays brought to you by TomorrowsHarvest.com. harvest.com. Check them out. You've heard me talk about smart pots, the award-winning fabric planter here on the Garden Basics podcast. They're durable and reusable. I've been using mine for 5 years now, and once again, they're being pressed into service in my yard. I have this problem I I grow too many tomatoes for the amount of allotted sunny space I have for them. So those extra tomato plants go into the smart pots. I place them in scattered areas around the yard where I know they'll get enough sun, which is a premium in my yard. And even five years later, I can pick up those smart pots, plant and all, and move them around without fear of the smart pot tearing or ripping. SmartPot's breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants. And SmartPot's come in a wide variety of sizes and colors. Visit SmartPot's.com Fred for more information about the complete line of SmartPot's lightweight fabric containers. And don't forget that slash Fred part, because on that page are details of discounts where you can buy smart pots at Amazon. Okay, now I understand maybe you want to see the smart pots before you buy them. That's not a problem. Smart pots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. We like to answer your garden questions here on the Garden Basics podcast. Debbie Flower is here, I think. Yes, I'm here.
2: You're actually here. <laughs> I'm here <laughs> yes. in
0: Barking Dog Studios. Here in the Abutilon jungle, or soon yeah. to be the Abutilon jungle again here in suburban purgatory. I did cut the Abutilons way back in late winter, but as strong as these uh, flowering maples,
2: the Abutilons are, they're, they're springing back. Yes, they are. I even see flower buds.
0: Yeah. we like to answer your garden questions here on the Garden Basics podcast. And Toby writes us from Lodi, California, which is in our Central Valley famous for their fine wines, and he writes that my crimson fire pedalum looks okay in the winter and early spring, but in late spring and summer, they're pitiful, scraggly. They appear to be dying. A few years ago, we hired an agricultural specialist who fertilized the shrubs and told us to cut back on the watering. They improved only slightly for about two months and then returned to their pitiful look. They're on a drip watering system and are getting two days a week, one gallon each day. Last week, we cut the watering cycle to one day per week for one hour. I have another loropetalum that's in a different area of the yard that is watered by an area sprinkler. It's thriving. Are the scraggly shrubs suffering from overwatering, underwatering, a drip versus sprinkler, poor soil? Thanks for your help. Boy, one gallon per week on drip that ain't much.
2: No, that's not much at all and it's going to occur in just the location where the drip lines are unless the drip has been set up correctly. These are relatively large shrubs. They haven't grown to, grown to the height that Laura Petalum has the potential to grow, but they're they spread out and they're next to a driveway and they're uh, yes in the in the spring pictures or the Winter and early spring pictures, they look beautiful. Lots of color, probably in flower. But then in the summer uh, and later pictures, there are many leaves missing. Some are red, but some are uh, green around the veins and yellow between, which is uh, the sign of a nutrient deficiency, micronutrient typically, but yet one has to remember that plants cannot get nutrients unless there's water bringing those nutrients to the roots.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the loropetalum plant itself. It's a, it's a common plant here in California, but it is good all the way down to USDA Zone 7. You, you can find them basically south of the Mason-Dixon line and up and through the uh, mid-Atlantic coast states. And the loropetalum is famous for its uh, long flowering season, uh, the
2: leaves on very broad varieties like the crimson flat fire are gorgeous. Right, there are the red. They would have red leaves and pink flowers, and then the there is the species that has green leaves and white flowers, which is a very clean sort of refreshing look. But people really like those those red leaves and pink flowers. They are unusual, and it remains red through the summer if it's healthy.
0: Nice size shrub too, about six to ten feet tall. Right, the Laura Pedalum uh, took off here in uh, northern california i it, it in my mind it's overplanted but the reason for overplanting is it succeeds so it easily it succeeds yes in your experiment there at the community college growing it how much water was it getting
2: i know it was getting some afternoon shade which plays into it and it was probably getting regular water i was not in charge of that irrigation system there but everything there were many plants in the location that got that needed water. Uh, pretty regular waters. So, So probably regular watering. Probably regular watering. So twice at least a week, maybe three times a week and enough water to wet the whole root zone. Right. You know, when it rains... It rains everywhere. Well, yeah. I mean, when you get a storm at your property, it It, rains on all the land. It's not in a single line. (laughs) It's not in a single line, right. So when I set up drip systems, I like to set them up so they wet the whole area. I may only run them once every two weeks for my very drought-tolerant plants, but... the whole all of the soil gets wet that means the roots can go where they want the plant will be stable the, the nutrients from all the soil will be available to all of the plants drip in the past has especially on a new landscape when they put it in they tend to put one emitter at the base of the plant and that has its logic It's a small plant. It's a small plant, and you have to keep that container media moist until the plant establishes. But in the six or so weeks that the plant establishes, the roots have moved out of that, away from that location, and they need water now. And so you have to continue the drip system all the way out or somehow wet the soil all over under that plant, not just at the trunk.
0: And that's what we don't know about Toby's line of Laura Petalums, which in his picture sort of line his driveway. We don't know if uh, how many emitters are on each plant. But if you are planting a row of shrubs like that, your best bet is using the half inch inline emitter tubing where the emitters are spaced either every 12 inches or every 18 inches and run them like railroad tracks on either side of the plant. Ideally, uh, on a mature plant, maybe halfway between the trunk and the very outer canopy of
2: the plant. But as that plant grows, you need to move those lines a little further out. Right. Roots on a plant will grow two to three times the height of the plant away from the trunk. So if the plant is three feet tall, then the roots will grow mm, four and a half to six feet to even uh, nine feet away from that plant. And But they'll only go there if there's water. And so we need to provide water for a large swath of the soil underneath the plant. Yeah, I doubt if there's much water underneath his uh, asphalt driveway right. that's next to the lower pedalums. Asphalt does breathe, but it but it uh, doesn't tend to... Actually, sometimes you have plants growing right along the driveway, right at the edge of the asphalt, because when water does seep in under there, it doesn't evaporate.
0: Yeah, that's right. And uh, if water, if if that driveway is beveled to the point where water is running off towards those plants, that might be its best source of water. And that
2: might be why it looks so good in late winter, early spring, because that's when we're getting rain and it is watering those plants. All right. So, Toby,
0: I I think you can either move to Seattle where it rains year round and grow them there. Oh, you don't want to do that? Okay, then um, (laughs) probably rejigger your uh, uh, drip irrigation system so that there is consistent water throughout the entire root zone and then the magical question, how long do I run my drip irrigation system?
2: Right. And that does not have a single single answer. It's our favorite answer. It right. depends. It depends. Yeah. He, he mentioned or part of his question was, is the soil the problem for the plants? We don't know anything about his soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what you need to know also to understand whether you uh, need to water once a week if you're in a heavy clay or twice a week if you're in a... Let's say clay loam or three times a week if you're in uh, a loam or uh, every other day if you're in sand. So it depends on the type of soil you have, whether you have a hard pan down there somewhere and if there's any slope. Mm -hmm.
0: So, Toby, probably the best advice we could give you would be, okay, turn on your water system the way you normally would. The next day, go out there and dig around those plants towards the outer canopy of the plants. Dig down eight inches. Is the soil moist or is the soil dry? Do that in several places around each shrub and uh, come to the, your own conclusion as far as is it too wet or is it too dry? If, I, if, if there's a line on this at a uh, sports book, I'll take too dry.
2: <laughs> yes, I think it'll be too dry as well, especially if it's not near that drip emitter. And you want that water to go eight inches deep because you want your roots down there uh, so the plant is stable. And you want it moist all around the plant. And that, I think, is not, Toby's not going to find that. So more emitters are going to be needed. Yep. Time to rework the drip system. I mean, it's pretty easy to lay down the new half inch uh,
0: drip lines with the emitters built in. You buy a couple of hundred foot rolls, probably, and uh, put them down there, connect them. Uh, you may be able to connect them to your current system. And uh, just, you're going to have to figure out on your own just how often to run it, but always think in terms of drip irrigation of running it for hours, not minutes.
2: Yes. If, if they're half gallon per hour, then you're going to need to run two hours to get a gallon. And then where is that gallon going to go? If, if it's 12 inch emitters, if the emitters are 12 inches apart on the line, you want it to meet the uh, water coming from the other emitter. But that also is soil dependent.
0: All right. So we hope that helps, Toby. Get down there and start digging and see how moist that soil is. Thanks for your help on this, Debbie.
2: Always a pleasure, Fred. Thank you.
0: The warmer weather means that fruit trees and berry bushes will soon spring to life with the promise of tasty, nutritious, fresh fruit for you and your family. So what are you waiting for? a website with more information. Okay, you've got it. It's tomorrowsharvest.com, your go-to site for a complete line of backyard fruit trees and bushes. Tomorrow's Harvest fine line of fruit trees is the result of 75 years of developing, testing, and growing. Three generations of the Birchall family have been at the forefront of research and development of plants of the highest quality, and all of these beautiful edible plants have been carefully cultivated for your home garden. Look for Tomorrow's Harvest fruit trees at Better Retail Nurseries. And if your favorite nursery doesn't carry any of Tomorrow's Harvest fruit, nut, and berry varieties, you can order them directly from tomorrowsharvest.com. And when you order them online, they come in plantable paper pots ready for you to stick to Directly in the ground, pot and all. Let the Birchill family's three generations of experience take root in your home orchard, landscape and garden. Tomorrow's Harvest, it's goodness you can grow. If you want to find out more about their nutritious and delicious fruit and nut varieties, visit tomorrowsharvest.com. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at Instagram the other day and up popped Brad Gates' feed from Wild Boar Farms and he was doing an experiment with lettuce and I totally stole the idea. It's called a cheapskate salad bowl. If you want greens in a hurry and you want to be able to grow greens in the summertime before they bolt, this is a cheap, easy way to have a year-round supply of lettuce and other greens first of all brad gates uh, thanks for joining us and tell us a little bit about wild boar farms but let me tell everybody that if you like tomatoes if you like to grow tomatoes
3: you need to be familiar with wild boar farms Uh, yeah thanks fred um yeah living and breathing tomatoes for the last 25-ish years but yeah, I like to grow everything, and that was just uh, something I hadn't done in several years. And I thought this would be the perfect time to to bring it back and try to share it too, because it's such a quick, easy, satisfying training wheels almost <laughs> method of of growing some food.
0: And it's uh, perfect for kids. It's perfect for adults. It's it's perfect for if all you have is perhaps a a part shade patio, you could do this.
3: Yeah, yeah. And one of the keys too, I actually just moved them to where they're only getting a few hours of morning sun and then bright sky but no direct sun now that it's in the middle eighties and more or whatever. So that's they grow actually quite well even without without too much sun exposure once it gets warm. So it's kind of uh one of the things is you can move them around into a Where were they going to be most comfortable? Let's take people
0: step by step as far as exactly what you did. All you need really is one of these uh, 16 inch by 16 inch nursery trays, uh, maybe some uh, shopping bags or newspaper and and, and some potting soil.
3: Yeah, it really was that easy. And about a pinch of lettuce seed is maybe what it what it uh, amounted to. Yeah, I either put, you can put about a half dozen layers of newspaper or a double layer of brown paper bag on the bottom of those trays, fill them with some quality potting mix, really just took a pinch of lettuce seed, sprinkled it evenly, and then just uh, took about another two handfuls of dirt and lightly covered the seeds, watered them, and waited a few weeks. And my wife and I actually ate half of one of those yesterday, and it was delicious lettuce not only was it satisfying because i grew it my own but the quality was superb also so it was a double bonus
0: were you using one variety or did you uh, mix up a bunch of varieties
3: i did two that were just uh, like a romaine style and i did two that were a mixed green uh, just a, a mix of about a half dozen different types of lettuce Yeah,
0: lettuce seed can be tricky to plant because it's so small, but I imagine in a 16 by 16 inch tray, if you just uh, sort of scatter them around, uh, that'll be okay. Did you have to
3: thin any out? I planned on doing it What originally I was going to let them grow two weeks, and then some of the more crowded areas, I was going to put some here and put some there, even around my yard or in my beds and stuff, and then go from there. But I got busy and missed that window so they can grow well either way it's a good way like i said you can take and transplant them after about 2 weeks take a little spoon and scoop a thing out and transplant them and i actually left them as is and they just kind of uh grew together and it worked out really good how tall did they get after 1 month of growth i would say that they're between 2 and 4 inches tall and growing fast right now also so um but i did actually scissor trimmed it um half of it we ate that and then i'm assuming it will that one half will actually grow back but it would also be very simple to just uh start one of these once a week or something like that get on a pattern also
0: exactly so to harvest it all you're doing is cutting off the tops and then serving it with dinner and and letting what remains grow again
3: Yeah, yeah. So you can actually get multiple harvests off of it. It's uh, cut about two-thirds of the tops off. You get all the good part, and the plant still has a root and a little bit of leaves, and it'll bounce back, and you'll get a second harvest.
0: Now, here in the middle of California, it gets real warm in the summertime, and it's very difficult to grow lettuce here because the heat makes it bolt. But if you're starting it from seed and you're harvesting it when it's one month old, the plant doesn't have time to bolt.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's actually one of the things because it's that second month of growth when it's too hot um, and just pinned in the sun. Sometimes typically your garden area where you planted them is full sun. And then by the time summer gets going, that's not the, the happiest place for lettuce. <laughs> so, yeah, there was no bitterness. I mean, the, the texture, the flavor, everything was so superb. Also, it's uh, it's a good all around technique.
0: I'm trying that experiment, too, and I can't wait for the results in one month. And I think that's going to be a, a go to plan. We should point out, too, if that those who don't know what a nursery tray is, it is, as I said, 16 inches by 16 inches. It's only about one inch deep. And usually if you go to a nursery and buy plants and you're buying a lot of plants, they'll let you take that tray home. And I would suggest that you look for the trays with the smaller holes on the bottom there are two types yeah. of trays there's one with that have sort of a one inch grid of, of of a bottom but there are ones that are not necessarily solid but it it is perforated there are holes in it but that would i think allow the uh soil to remain intact better
3: yeah yeah you could i've used them both but the ones like you said the ones that have like 100 little pencil hole sizes, those work a little bit better for sure. They contain the dirt. And even if you have a bit of a blowout um, with your paper bag or newspapers tearing or whatever, you don't have as much of a chance of soil getting all over the place.
0: Let me ask you about wild boar farms. You're a seed company. You're a plant company. Are nurseries running out of your
3: seeds um, well, I sell plants to the nurseries, so they're definitely, they seem to be selling them as fast as they can, they can get them. Um, they're, they're definitely been a hot seller. The seeds have been a good sell too. I just, am fortunate to be in the right business right now. It, it's a great time to learn how to grow. Everybody wants to, uh, my wife and I took a little bike ride this morning and there was six different houses we saw in the neighborhood that had brand new raised beds in the front yard. I'm not even sure how many people are building them in the backyard, but we couldn't believe how many people are turning a section of their yard into a food plot. And that's a, that's a great thing.
0: Exactly. And and you bring up a very good point about front yard gardens in, in many uh, suburban lot areas, the, the trees are so tall, the only sunny spot might be in the front yard, but check with your local County zoning ordinances to make sure it's okay. And if it's not okay, pester them to change the rule so you're allowed to have a vegetable garden in the front yard. Yeah. And for those of you who think it's too late to start tomatoes from seed in late April or even May or for that matter, even early June, there's plenty of time.
3: You're looking, if you start seeds now, you'd be like first or second week of June. Um, It could be hit or miss in this area. Some people, a lot of areas that you can do just fine planting in June
0: exactly yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with uh starting from seed now in order to get it to transplant size like you say in six weeks maybe even four or five weeks depending upon how vigorous they grow in here in california you're harvesting all the way through thanksgiving in other parts of the country major planting doesn't usually begin in backyard gardens in colder sections until probably after mother's day or the first few weeks of june
3: spreading out your planting is always good anyways uh you they said, if you want to have that really nice late harvest, that's usually the plant that you did plant uh, late. When I commercial plant, I always planted, you know, a bunch in April, a bunch in May and a bunch in June. And that was like the best insurance I could have for having a full long harvest season.
0: Well, I would would advise people that if you're now curious about Wild Boar Farms tomato seeds and you want to order some, you better do it quickly. Uh, The website is wildboarfarms.com and uh, grab the seeds while they're still available. Brad Gates of Wild Boar Farms, thanks so much for telling us about the Cheapskate Salad Garden, and I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, thanks, Brad, and thanks for sharing. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday and is brought to you by SmartPots. It's available just about anywhere, and that includes Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And for Northern California gardeners, it's the Green Acres Garden Podcast with Farmer Fred. It's available also wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. And thanks for listening.